I want to talk to you a little bit about a, somebody else that's uh, been into um, the service that did an awful lot for us, lest we forget. We also want to honor the one who died to set us free from the bondage of sin, death, and hell. And no one could do this except one person who came into this world. And when I stop and think about all the people that have lived upon this planet, that have fought, died, shed their blood, all of them, all put together, did not accomplish as much as this one man did. And that one person who did not even deserve to die, voluntarily gave his life for us because no one else could. So we don't want to forget also the, the greatest person that's ever lived, the greatest soldier that ever lived, the greatest sacrifice that's ever been made, was made by the Lord Jesus Christ himself. And in Galatians chapter 5 and verse 1, because of what he has done for us, he says, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ has made us free, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. In other words, maintain your freedom. Once you've trusted Christ as your Savior, in God's eyes, he has made us free from the penalty of sin. We'll never have to worry about hell. We are being saved from the power of sin by the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. And as we yield ourselves to him and walk with him, uh, then uh, we have power over that sinful nature that we have and the lust of the world and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life. And also one day he will come and take us out of here. He's coming for his saints. And we will be delivered from the very presence of sin. So that is the greatest to me victory that's ever been won. Of all the armies that have ever marched, of all the men who have ever died, and of all the blood that has ever been shed, cannot compare to the value of that one called the Son of God. One drop of blood from the sacrifice of Christ accomplished more for the cause of liberty. While the wars of man were victorious until the next war. You know, they always have these wars to end all wars until the next war. I remember hearing about they fought to end the battle of all wars. So they never have another one. And then we have another one. And it looks like we may be facing another one. But when Jesus Christ went to the cross and died, he only had to fight this battle one time because he was so victorious. Nobody will ever be able to conquer him. He'll never be defeated. And we are victorious because we are in the one who won the victory. It isn't over yet. We're looking for the day when we stand with the Lord Jesus Christ, the thousand-year reign upon this earth, when he comes back in power and great glory, and every eye will see him. But while the wars of man were victorious until the next war, the enemy or the victory of Christ was for all eternity. And that's why we know that the greatest freedom in all the world is what he saved us from. There's a lot of churches today, a lot of preachers, that do not want to mention this word, hell, because it's offensive to so many people. And yet you can't talk about Jesus Christ, the Savior, without talking about what did he save me from. When we talk about I am saved 
It means something. It means that I'm not going to a place called hell because someone saved me from it. You take away hell and you don't need a savior. Why do you need someone to go to the cross and die and pay for your sins to keep you from going to a place that doesn't exist? Hell is real. And therefore, I want to make sure that we do not forget that the reason we talk about Jesus Christ is because if we do not win people to Christ, if they are not persuaded to put their confidence, their trust in Jesus Christ, they will spend an eternity in a literal fire-burning hell. And that's just the truth. As much as I would rather just always talk about the love of God, and I never want to talk about sin, anything that makes people feel uncomfortable, but I believe it's time that God's children were made uncomfortable. I believe that it's uh, one aspect of the indwelling Holy Spirit. He is the great comforter when you do right and the great discomforter if you don't do right. So salvation from hell is the greatest freedom known to man because every man needs to be saved from this. All the battles that we have fought for thousands of years, well, it's always temporary because you see there's another generation of people that come and they are just as mean and ugly and greedy and want to take something from somebody else. And there's always somebody that says, no, that's mine and you can't have it. And there's battles that have been fought. But the greatest battle is then the battle for souls, the souls of man. He says, and whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Revelation chapter 20, verse 15. Is that verse true? Is that really in your Bible? If that verse is in your Bible, is that verse true? That whosoever who does not have their name written in the Lamb's book of life going to really be literally cast into a lake of fire. If you believe the Bible, you have to believe this. Now, there's a lot of attacks upon the doctrine of hell because no one wants to believe that there could be such a place where individuals will spend eternity with no escape. And yet always remember that in spite of all of this and the teaching of hell, there's also a great compassion shown by God himself because of his great love for man. There is, yes, his justice. There's his righteousness, his holiness. That he cannot look upon sin, tolerate sin, and sin has to be dealt with. And the wages of sin is death. And death is not just an eternity separated from God, which we often say it's a separation from God, but in a literal fire-burning hell. Universalism, annihilationism, purgatory... Maybe words that you've heard, but there's views that people have to do away with this doctrine of hell. Because if you do away with the doctrine of hell, you don't need a savior. You don't have to worry about reaching anybody. There's nothing to be in the fear of. There, there's no danger ahead. But if there is a real literal hell, then, then everything matters. Everything is really important about the gospel of Jesus Christ and reaching people. Now, universalism, I won't get into what we did last Wednesday night. We had a little fun with that. But it just boils down to 
a very simple little thing is there are those who believe that everybody is going to be saved in the end. That Jesus went and died and paid for all the sins of the world, so all the sins are paid for, and everybody's going to be saved, and everybody's going to have hot chocolate, and we're going to sit around and party. That is not a true position to have. You see, there's uh, verses in the Bible that makes it very simple, very clear. He says, when Jesus Christ comes back in power and great glory, he says, in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. So there's people who will not trust Christ as their Savior. They will not believe it. But God says he's going to take vengeance upon them. It is not an honor or tribute, a blessing to reject Christ as Savior. It might look good in the eyes of other people that I'm not one of those people that believe the Bible, or I'm not a Christian. They may recognize you now as some intellectual giant, maybe too smart for your own good. But when all of life is over, and you stand at that great white throne judgment, and cast into the lake of fire, it won't be funny anymore. It won't be a joke. It won't be that, well, when we get down here, we'll just get all the Baptists together and we'll um, take up a collection and air condition a place and skate around the ice. Are you going to bust into hell and swing open those barroom doors and, hey, set it up, I'm here. No, no, no. That's what you do here. That's what you do now. But if hell is real, then the gospel is so important. The good news about how to be saved from hell. I've talked to a lot of people over the years. Are you saved? Yes, I am. Where are you going when you die? Well, I don't know. Do you have eternal? What does being saved means? If you're not saved from hell, you're not saved. And I told a person not long ago, I even preached a whole sermon on it. You cannot know you're going to heaven until you know you cannot go to hell. Because if there's any possibility you can go to hell, you cannot know that you're going to heaven. You see, I don't have the possibility of going to hell. I couldn't go to hell if I tried. I haven't tried. I can't go to hell. Because, you see, 2,000 years ago, Jesus Christ went to the cross and paid for all of my sins. All my sins are paid. I don't have any sins to pay for. You say, you don't deserve that. That's why he says, for by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works. I don't have to work for it. I don't have to earn it. I don't have to deserve it. No, I do not have to go to church to go to heaven. And I do not have to give money to go to heaven. Why? I don't have to earn it. I cannot pay for it. There's no payment that I need to make. Why? It's free. It's the gift of God. Now, that's found in 2 Thessalonians. But also, he says this. Who shall be punished, get this, with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of His power? So it's not just that you're going to be totally annihilated. No, that's not going to happen. But be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord. And one of the things that most people want in life is to be able to see God, be in His presence. I want to see God. I want to look at Him face to face. I know about Him from the Bible because it's His Word. It's His mind on paper. So I study the Bible. I'm, I'm studying about God I know a little bit about how he thinks because he wrote it down. So when you study the Word of God, you're studying the mind of God, how God thinks. Now, there are some people that, um, a man named Rod Bell, who had a great big old church and came out with a book, Love Wins. 
It means that everybody's going to be saved. There is no hell. Ta-da! But he has since changed his mind. And I think the closer you get to that stage when you're going to leave this world, <laughs> you might change a lot of your thinking. But to be annihilated, there's people who believe you're just going to be annihilated. It's the view that whoever and whatever cannot be redeemed by God ultimately just going to be put out of existence. That's a good idea. I asked a man one time, I says, um, where are you going when you die? He says, Tennessee. I said, so you just believe that whenever you die, you're going to the grave, and that's it. He said, that's it. I said, have you died before? He said, no. I said, then you don't know that's true, do you? You hope that's true. I said, but it's better than that. You can know you have eternal life. No, you're going to heaven when you die. I'd rather die and know that I'm going to heaven based upon what this book says. I got it made. Made in the shade. I'm going to heaven. And I've known it for 57 years. One man in all these years that I've lived came across my path. Only one in 75 years. And he explained the gospel to me and I trusted Christ as my Savior. So is it important? Yes. There are Seventh-day Adventists that do not believe that there's a hell. There's Jehovah's Witnesses. They don't believe that there's a hell. Does that change how you present the gospel? They don't even have a gospel. They don't have any good news. That's why theirs is by works. And they're out working themselves to death, trying to earn their way into the kingdom or into the heaven or whatever they want to go to. Some evangelicals, I've even talked to people who claim to believe the Bible and believe in heaven, but I don't believe in hell. They believe the good part about the Bible, they don't believe the bad part. Well, see, the one who told you about heaven spoke more on hell. So which part are you going to believe? You either take it all or forget it. Or take your Bible and throw it in the trash and walk away. But if this book is true, and I believe it, I believe every bit of it. So these teach that um, there is no hell. I hope that you that are here today, why do we come to church? Why do we pray? Why do we give? And all these wonderful things is because we want to tell people that it's true. There's a hell to shun. And eternity is long. And hell is hot. And it's for eternity. The annihilationist argument, well, you know, it's God's too nice to send people to hell. God is too good and kind and loving. He's not going to send. Would you knock at the door? Jehovah's Witnesses. Ma'am, do you have a fireplace? Well, well, yes, we do. You have children? Yes, we do. Would you throw your children in the fire? No. And neither would God. Can we come in and have a Bible study with you? Well, come right on in. Kick them off your sidewalk and not into the street and have nothing to do with it. There is a hell. And God is going to send people into a literal fire-burning hell. Well, destruction, that means you're just totally annihilated. You know, it's like going to bed at night and you're annihilated. You don't even know anything. Not in my case. I dream all night long. I have never, I don't remember a night when I've gone to bed without dreaming. Kind of like this farmer. He took hay to bed with him so he could feed his nightmares. And fear not them which kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul. But rather fear him which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. So you see, the body may die, but that's not the end of the soul. It's not annihilated. And then when life is over and when you have died, the Bible says, and it's appointed unto every man once to die, and then after this, what? The judgment. 
And there's going to be this great white throne judgment. And if there's going to be a judgment, there's going to be a conclusion. There's going to be uh, the results of the judgment. You see, people who think they're good enough to go to heaven or save themselves by their good works, God's going to show you that you're going to be judged by your works and your works were not good enough. And you don't have to wait until this judgment. He's already told you in advance. Not by works of righteousness which we have done. But according to his mercy he saved us. Then he says in Philippians 3, 9, And be not found in having our own righteousness which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. There's a by works righteousness where you try to earn your way to heaven. And there's a by faith righteousness, one that you can have by faith in what Christ did for you. And so, yes, you have to be as righteous as God to go to heaven. But what he does is he gives you his righteousness, and that makes you as righteous as God. You go to heaven on what Christ did for you. You see, if this teaching isn't true, and I didn't believe it, I'd have never went to Bible college. But this burned in my mind. I couldn't get out of my mind. I kept thinking about my mom, and I thought about my stepdad and my brother and my sisters, my relatives. I didn't want them to go to hell. And I kept thinking, well, why don't somebody reach them? And as I know of, of all of our relatives, I was the first person to ever trust the Lord. I never met a person in all of our relationships that ever talked about the Lord, knew the Lord, had nothing to do with it. And I determined I'm going to try to get the God. And if it wasn't for believing in this, I could not fathom the idea of my mama spending eternity in hell. My brother, my sisters. Well, it wasn't that bad with my sisters. No. But I didn't want any of my relatives, none of my family. I wanted them to know the Lord. I wanted them to go to heaven. That's why I decided to go to Bible college. That's why I wanted to become a, well, I didn't know I was going to be a preacher. I just wanted to tell people how to go to heaven. Because there was a passion there. There's a burning desire. And mainly because of this, this thing that you see on the screen. There is a man-made place. What is? Well, purgatory. Purgatory, see, is not in the Bible. It's in the Apocrypha. Those are some of the books in between the Old and the New Testament. But they are not in the canon of Scripture. They're not inspired of God. And so uh, those are not in our Bible. This is a man-made place that doesn't exist. It's supposed to be a temporary holding facility for those who died until sins have been purged by time. Are served by, you know, payment from friends in the Roman Catholic Church who are still alive. No, some people can do good works and put them in your account and pay money. That's just a good way for a religion to make money. has nothing to do with the Bible. They may be sincere, but they're sincerely wrong. It's not in the Bible. There is no purgatory. You say, well, what is purgatory? Well, that's because there's, um, th- there's people that believe they're, you know, you're not good enough to go to heaven. But! You're not bad enough to send to hell. So there has to be this middle place. You know, there's a heaven, there's a hell, but, you know, you're not that bad. But you're bad, but you're not that bad. I mean, you're good, but you're not that good. You are not that good. You are that bad. You have to be perfect to go to heaven. One sin will do you in. Adam and Eve only committed one sin, and what, did, what happened to them? Got kicked out of the garden. And died. One sin. How many have you done? Don't answer that. 
I'll bet it's more than one. I remember one time I told a white lie. But then I find out I was colorblind. You see, in the Maccabees, it says, uh, part of the, they call it the, the Apocrypha book. But this is not in the Bible. So you don't have any validation for the teaching of purgatory. There is no purgatory. And the other thing to remember is this. If you want to take and have a good answer, you just take and go to the scriptures. But you see, purgatory is not mentioned in the Old Testament. It's not mentioned in the New Testament. It's salvation by works. You see, you weren't that good. So that means you, your works were not that good. You weren't that bad, so it means that your works weren't that bad. It's all about works. And if you will do better works, you see, you go to God. So your salvation depended upon your work. It has nothing to do with Christ. And that's why you need to understand, after you die... It's appointed that every man wants to die, then the judgment, no second chance. There's not going to be another time, well, when I die, I'll just stand before God and I'll put a tear in my eye and I'll just smile at him and, you know, he'll love me so much, he'll let me right on in. It ain't going to happen, Captain. Be not deceived. It will not happen. That's not the way God wrote it in his book. He's told us. He's the one that made heaven. He's the one that made hell. And he tells how to escape hell. And go to heaven. You say, I didn't ask to be born. Who did? Who did? I didn't ask to be born, but I was born. And this is the state of the affairs. This is reality. And people can live in a dream world if they want to and deny that there is a God. And deny. Yeah, they can do all the denying they want to. But it ain't going to change the facts. You sin and you're going to die and God is holy and he is all powerful. And he's already done told you how it's going to end up. Gave to you and I. Gave us a choice. Now, the Bible says this in the book of Hebrews chapter 1 verse 3. Who being the brightness of his glory. Talking about Jesus Christ. And the express image of his person. And upholding all things by the word of his power. When, get this. When he had by himself purged our sins. See, I don't have to go to a place and try to work off my sins or pay for my sins or do anything or depend on anybody else. He's already purged my sins by himself. He doesn't need my help or anybody's help. He sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high because the job is done. The work is done. In other words, what all I needed to do to get to heaven has been accomplished. All he wanted me to do when he came back from the dead was believe he did it for me. I can handle that. But, you know, there's this, it's sincerity that counts the most. And look at all the religion. Didn't everybody sincere? Sincerity is not a substitute for truth. If that was all that was necessary, then don't have to worry about it. Just let everybody alone and look how many people are going to go to heaven because look how many religions there are. And they're religious because they're sincere. So everybody's already going. So Christ says, go into all the world and preach the gospel to everybody unless they're sincere in their own religion. No. Another view. Well, God will say based upon the light they have. You know, they didn't know. Think about all the people that they don't know. You know, this really bothered me. This is one another reason why I decided to serve the Lord. Well, God will say based on light revealed. Well... God saves him based on what Christ did. And here's the reason for wording this this way. 
Because some people, well, they didn't know, and they knew a little bit more, and they knew this, but they didn't know about Christ. So God's going to save them based upon the light they had, you know, without Christ. Because a lot of people never heard about Christ. What about all the people over in Africa? I don't know why they're always over in Africa. All the lost people are in Africa. Get this now. God will judge according to the light one has received. But God will not save according to the light received. God will judge at the great white throne judgment based upon the light you had. And if you accept the light, the truth, the evidence that God gave, he would have gave you more evidence. And evidence leads to a conclusion. But when you reject light, you're rejecting truth. You're rejecting the path to righteousness. But God will only save a man according to the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Did you or did you not accept that? God saves him based only upon this one thing alone. There is no other way, no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. There is only one person you can trust in for eternal life, and that's Jesus Christ. And without him, there is no hope. Now, the only proper response to the state of the unevangelized is that they indeed are lost without Christ. This is supported in several ways. You see, why you are without excuse. Are there people that are without excuse? No, the Bible says everybody that's condemned. Everybody's condemned. But he that believeth them is not condemned. That's those who believe in Christ. But those who haven't believed, he says you're condemned already. But why is a person without excuse? Romans chapter 1 and verse 20. This is what he says. Three little outline words here. Reality, reason, and results. And I want you to look in your Bible very quickly with me. Romans in chapter 1. The book of Romans in chapter 1. And look in verse 18. Verse 18. This is what he says. In verse 18, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness. In other words, God is letting the world know that he is against ungodliness and that his and, and the unrighteousness that people do. God sees and knows everything. He knows every individual and what every individual has done. And then he says in verse 19, because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God hath shown it unto them. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. 